Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. Welcome to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Ahead this hour, we talk with pizza historian and filmmaker Colin Kaplan back in 2020 about the documentary Pizza, a Love Story. The film goes deep into the history and the families behind the three pizzerias that made New Haven famous. Sally's, Pepe's, and Modern. Colin is a producer on the film, and it's airing on CPTV this week. We thought it'd be fun to revisit that episode and share an extended version of our conversation with the guy who knows more about New Haven pizza than anyone on the planet. Later in the show, we'll highlight a few pizza makers outside of New Haven and share tips for making pizza dough at home. But first, here's a taste of the documentary Pizza, A Love Story. Anyone who would ever use the phrase, it's just pizza, they're beyond hope. I would just silently say to myself, it's your loss. It's your loss. Just get away from me. If you haven't been to New Haven and had Pepe's, Sally's, and Modern, you really can't talk about pizza with any authority. It was never called pizza. We're going for our beats. Here we are, Polish people. We're going for our beats. A beats. A beats. A beats. A beats. A beats. Six or seven years that we've been doing this list, there's only one year that Pepe has not been number one on that list. I think Sally's Love is a really cultist. We were members of Sally's religion, and I think what made it special, of course, was the quality of the pot. Everybody in New Haven kind of has to pick a side. I like that modern is a little bit more user-friendly for me as a New York, New Jersey guy. It's always Sally's. Modern. I'm a Pepe guy. Oh, Sally. Modern our beats. Pepe's beats. By far Sally's. Modern. Yay! Pepe's. I would say it is the pizza capital of the United States. Yeah, I mean, Chicago pizza is not pizza. What we do is pizza. What we do is, you know, is horizontal. believe that pizza is a connective tissue. It's something that makes us happy. It feeds us. It connects different people together. It's the one of the only shared foods by its very nature. I feel extremely fortunate to have the best pizza in the world right here at our fingertips. Sally's Peppies are modern. Yes. <laughs> you just heard the voices of Lyle Lovett, Henry Winkler, or as I like to call him, the Fonz. Amy Kondrak, Senator Chris Murphy, among many New Haven locals, writers, historians, and pizza connoisseurs, fervent in their love for Sally's, Pepe's, or modern. Holy smokes. Thank you for joining us, Colin. My pleasure. Can we ask you which your favorite one is or no? Uh, you know, you can ask me and I'll tell you this. Out of those three, if, you, if I had one of those on any given day, Sally's, Pepe's, or modern, in that order, I would be the happiest man alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good day right there. (laughs) Very, very diplomatic. I just want to put this out there in full disclosure, uh, because this could determine the way the rest of this conversation goes. Uh Uh-oh. 
I've never been to Sally's nor modern. Oh, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, you know. Marisol, really? Really. Well, I'm a native oh. New Yorker. So, okay. you know, I've lived in the nutmeg state for 15 years. And I, I guess I've been saving it until this happened, until this fortuitous meeting. Well, we got to get you down to New Haven because it's New Haven style pizza. And one of the things that people couldn't see in that trailer, Colin, that we just played are the seven things that make New Haven pizza what it is. Let's dig into it. Can you tell us about it? I, yeah, I'll do my best. I mean, you got to have an amazing base. That's your crust, your sauce. And of course, one of the lessons in the movie is, is it's moots. It's not mozzarella, you know, so <laughs> moots. Mozzarella. Yeah, I mean, it's how you speak it. So if you go to a restaurant and you don't know how to order, I mean, you're in trouble. So you get a plain pizza that's with just sauce on it. You know, it's not with the moots on it. There's all these little lessons. I mean, even the way you say pizza. I was going to say, abits, abits, right? Is that it? Exactly. Abits. It's abits. And that's it. And and it's like, it's, a, it's an old <laughs> language from an, a very old tradition that we've been carrying on for 150 years in New Haven. I love it. So for someone who doesn't know New Haven-style pizza, what makes New Haven-style pizza uniquely New Haven? Good question. I usually describe the pizza as, and no one knows this term except for the pizza fanatics, but neo-Neapolitan style, which means, but specifically to New Haven, it's thin crust, it's very crispy and chewy, and it's charred. Not burnt, (laughs) but charred. Uh, I like that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. And then on top is a layer of tomato, crushed tomato that's cooked with the pie in brick ovens. And traditionally, these would have been a coal fired oven. Now, sometimes there, you know, there's there's different variations in New Haven style, but that's the tradition. And anything else on top of that is is uh, is extra. You know, that's why you pay more for mozzarella. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the flame licked pizza, right? It's 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 gently kissed by the fire. That's all it is. That that's a, that's Absolutely. what the char marks mean, right? Yeah, actually, Lyle Lovett says it the best. They're like all the parts are like are playing off each other, like they're like in some sort of passionate romance with each other. And the best pizzas should really taste like one one thing working together. I mean, I just think it's amazing you have a movie made that you have Lyle Lovett talking about pizza. I mean, that's like check that off the bucket list of things to do in life. You know, what's interesting is, um, you know, we have small cities in Connecticut, but we all of our little areas of Connecticut have arenas and places where musicians have been able to perform and will again be able to perform. Yeah. And these guys, when they come to New Haven, they all go, get a pizza. They they get Sally's, they get Peppy's, they get modern. And that's how they know New Haven. They literally look forward to playing in New Haven because of our of our beats. Man, can we call, is New Haven, is it safe to say, I mean, just, we're not being homers here, is the pizza capital of the world, can we say that? And, and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Barstool Sports says it, we've heard it from many other people that New Haven is really uh, the best community for pizza in America, and I, you know, growing up here, I can say it, and most of us Connecticut people will, will point our fingers and say, oh, New Haven, that's where it's at. Yeah. H- how does that happen, though? How did that happen? How did New Haven become the pizza capital of the world? Well, we were an indu- we were an industrial city, and we were also an influx of so many immigrants, and we still are. We're an immigrant city, and being that welcoming, we welcomed more Italians than any other city per capita. So now our metro region has the most Italians of any metro region in the whole country, 
And most of them came from where pizza was made, which was the southern part called Campania. One of the reasons I love doing this show so much is because food is so steeped in culture and it has a story because it all originates from somewhere. How did you fall in love with pizza? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm guessing it's because my parents took me to all the best pizza places when I was just a baby. Um, I'm also going to guess that my first solid food was most likely a beets. Abits. <laughs> yeah, it was like I probably it was my first word, perhaps, you know, and uh, and I, I think I know that when I was a kid, it was one of my favorite foods. And it's the only way I actually learned that it was different anywhere else was traveling, you know, so I'd go to I went to school in New Orleans. Great food, not great pizza. I would agree. Yeah, I lived in Florida. I lived in Maine and L.A. and, you know, <laughs> great food, not the greatest pizza. Well, I'm not going to go to New Haven for a po' boy, so they shouldn't come to, uh, <laughs> we shouldn't go to, to, to New Orleans for a pizza. I keep looking for the for my catfish po' boy <laughs> place, but it keeps closing on me. Major <laughs> places, man. We need more of them. That's funny, man. So we talked yeah. a little bit ago about, you know, the big three, Sally's, Modern, and, and Pepe's. What, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out, these three, these places, the, the pizzas are delicious. They're all kind of similar, but they're kind of different. What do you think is the best way to describe how each one's different from each other? Yeah, I mean, what, some of the biggest differences in these pizzas that are, you might say are so closely related in style um, are really the, the basis of tradition of each family, uh, how they make the pizza. It's also the, the actual ingredients they're picking. So from anything from the flour to the yeast type to uh, the, the sauce brand, which is really just crushed tomatoes, the cheese type. And then it's their ovens. It's, um, you know, what kind of fuel are they using? How, what kind of oven? And what temperature? How long do they cook it? How long do they proof the dough? All these things end up making a huge difference in what you get on your plate or on your tray in New Haven. Right, because people, people don't realize that when you go to a Sally's or Pepe's or Modern, and I'm still waiting for both of you to take me to the latter so that I can really experiences. You're not getting a slice. Like in New York City, you order a slice. Right. In New Haven, you're getting the whole thing. That's right. You're getting the whole right. tray. Yep. And hopefully eating the whole thing. Yeah. We're we're very opinionated people here in New Haven and we only serve a full pie. You better be ready for it. Like you <laughs> eat the whole thing. So so yeah, it is it you know in some of the very traditional pizza spots in New York City, they only serve pies. That's actually an old school tradition um, coming out of Italy, coming out of the old, you know, pizzerias. That's that's very old school. So New Haven kept that old school tradition, and um, you, it's hard to go to a, a, any place in New Haven that's a traditional a beats shop and actually try to get a slice. Um, it's really really rare. It's been changed because of the kind of culture that you know now pizza is American for the last sixty years. Uh, it's part of our culture of getting things on the go taking it with us, using our hands. That's a new thing. That's a new concept. Right. So part of the understanding each culture in each region is understanding how people live in, in those traditions. When you decided to make the book Pizza in New Haven um, and then the documentary, where did you start? Because it seems so ever-encompassing. Like I'm, I'm trying to like gather it all in. Where did you start? How did you know you wanted to do this? And how did you know you were done when you were done? Yeah, done. <laughs> you were tired. You were like, I've had enough. <laughs> you know what the hardest part is, is once you finish something like this, you keep finding more things to add in. So we'll never be done, but it is done. There'll Finally, be a part two. 
the DVD is finally released. It's out there. You can get it as a digital copy. You can rent it, buy it. You can have your own solid version. The book is out there. So these things are, are ways that we can now teach and we feel good about it. How did we start? I mean, you know, the, the movie started with two guys, Gorman Bichard and Dean Falcone, loved pizza, loved music, and wanted to put some, you know, rock star type documentary together about their favorite food. And it took them 11 years to do it. Wow. When they started, I was living in Los Angeles, learning how to be a food tour guide, doing crazy thing. I, I was on a Jerry Springer show out there. I mean, excuse you. Are you the father or no? <laughs> I, you know what? It was a bachelorette show and I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was sent home. You're probably better off. <laughs> I wait. Oh yeah. Um, so I was, I was missing pizza so badly that I was literally looking up every day how I could learn more about pizza from home. And, and that's how I found the movie being made. Um, they had a, a Kickstarter campaign and I really started focusing on um, my education of food at that point, rather than just history and rather than just, you know, locale. I was very interested in the history of food and people. That, that's how it started. So what is your education of food oh. and specifically pizza as it pertains to this episode? Yeah, I mean, my education comes from about 10 years of, of working with restaurants closely. So, you know, talking with, meeting, trying, you know, sampling investigating, cooking, and really getting to the roots of, of how these places operate and, and who they are and where did it start. Interviews. We've done about 100 interviews with people who are in the restaurant business, old timers, uh, anybody we could get our hands on, some of whom you've mentioned, who come from all over the world to try our pizza. And that aspect of, I, I believe, makes it very relevant to not just people from here, but to people everywhere, that this is a world food, it's a world-class food, and it makes an impact on everybody. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know about you, Plum, but whenever I meet someone and that human says, yeah, I don't like pizza, I, I almost feel like I can't talk to them anymore. It's this strange... I just walk away. It's a very visceral feeling. Like, I do feel like it's very much <laughs> yeah. a, a universal food. And I pity the fool. Who doesn't like pizza? Like, what are you talking? Like, anybody who says that, what's I know, like? I know. But people who say that, I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Well, there is. What are you from? There Mars? are people who perhaps can't can't. They're lactose intolerant, maybe, so they can't have the dairy. Yeah. Or they don't like bread. I'm mean, what's or they, they maybe there's a gluten allergy. I don't know. There are now gluten free pizzas. That's true. There are gluten free pizzas. There's there's vegan pizzas. There's pizza made of cauliflower. There's pizza from all over the world made of all different things. Original pizzas were made of dates and, and all sorts of almond pastes as their dough. I mean, we've really been dealing with a very new type of food that's a bread product. You know, it's a simple bread product, but it can always be changed. The question is, is that going to taste good? Right. <laughs> chef Plum and, and Marisol, you must know. I mean, these are, a good chef can make anything palatable. Sure. But I, will it enter my dreams? Will it be my last meal? I don't know. We'll see memorable is the word. You want it to be memorable. You want it to be something you think about after you eat it. The first time for me when I take a bite of a white clam pie at Pepe's, all I do is think about it for the next week and want to go get another one. It's number number one rated in the country every year. There's a reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Colin, do you have a favorite pie that you I like? sure do. I sure do. And I'll, it is? Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> oh, well, you're making me wait. You're not going to tell me. I will <laughs> tell you, but you're going to eat it. You got to, we got to, we're making a date. All of us, the three of us are going to go. Um, so it's it's a plain pizza. It's a New Haven plain. It's a 
uh, a simple pie. It's literally your your red sauce, and it's got I like garlic on it. You got a little grated pecorino romano on that. Cook it to a nice crisp a char, uh, coming out of a coal fired oven. Oh. I love it. I will eat it hot, cold. I don't mind it cold when it's like that. That's a simple pizza. That's the way it was originally served, and that's the way I like it. You know, that sounds something we should be having right I know. now. That's what I think. <laughs> My stomach is growling. I really kind of want to have that right now. Colin, we you said to put sauce on there, and I think one of the things I found the most interesting when learning about New Haven pizza, you know, it's not always a sauce. It's sometimes just tomatoes. It's just canned, good canned tomatoes that are put on there. Sometimes a little bit of oregano, you know, but no olive oil, things like that mixed in. Just very, very simple, right? Yeah. I mean, I think using the word sauce differentiates it from, say, like a fresh tomato. Okay on your pizza but yes it is actually in fact crushed and ground tomatoes that are spread on top of a pizza raw and then cooked on the pizza in the oven so that is a very that is a very traditional way of cooking you know a, a, a what we call tomato pie it's the translation of abits um yeah. so you know later on there were definitely more variations where people started putting fresh tomato on and they started making you know there was actually the original pizzas were white pies which have what we call no sauce, but in fact, those are the original pizzas. They pizzas were brought into the Western world in the 1500s. Excuse me, uh, tomatoes, and that sort of translates to the fact that there was never even so. So a a white pie was no sauce. Pl- no sauce, because I think of a white pie as having like some sort of ricotta cheese or something. No. It could have a it could have ricotta cheese, as we say here. We go. I turn every just so you know <laughs> when I can't this good little Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Whenever I can't translate something or pronounce something, I immediately default to Spanish. So I just went ricotta. But if it's if it's ricotta, I'll call it ricotta. When I was in Italy, that's how I survived. I used Spanish to actually get through, and they understood me generally. Excellent. Um, yeah. So so it, in essence, I mean, a white pie is really just a a, a pie with olive oil and, and cheese and maybe meats and other vegetables on it. And that is the, the very, very traditional original way pizzas were probably formed and well before tomatoes came into the picture. Yeah, but for people who are even making, just making pies at home or your favorite pizza place down the road does something a little bit different, you know, there's no right or wrong here. I know like Colin being a guy from New Haven, he might say, no, no, that's the wrong way to make it. But, you know, when it comes to pizza, it should be fun. It should be delicious. And there's no rules. And kind of remember that when you're doing it. There's no rules to making pizza. Well, so... There are some rules to different people, right? Here, so this is what I was going cut, for. <laughs> well, here we go. So here's the deal. If you're Peppy's family. That was a trigger moment that I had with you. That's what I was looking oh for. Oh my there. god, I felt it. I felt like stressed out. And if you're a Peppy's family and you're gonna your son or daughter is gonna marry into a Sally's family. Oh my god, is this like the Montagues and the Capulets? And the Capulets, yeah. This is worse. <laughs> it's worse. This is worse. This is like we better, you know, like we're not talking to you. We can't even eat together, you know? <laughs> So oh, there are major rivalries between the families that have, you know, really traditionally ser- been serving uh, and served by these different pizzerias. So modern has its own traditional family. They go there. They're modern people. I mean, they're very passionate. They're like, no, we don't go down to Worcester Street. We're modern fam- We're modern people. And then you've got your Sally's people who are like, we used to go here when they opened. Sally was, you know, our friend, you know, and they don't we're like Peppies. That's not pizza. They'll even say that. And then you have your Pepe's aficionados who who will say, we're the best. You can see it. There's nothing, you know, we don't mind waiting in line or we don't have to wait in line because we know them. Wow. I think I think there's a lot to it where customers pick their favorite and they're so passionate about it. You can ask 
anybody, generally speaking, in Connecticut what their favorite pizza is, and they will hands down have one, and then they will fight you about it. Oh uh, no, I believe that. I believe a fight will ensue <laughs> over some pizza. That's I one hundred percent. But what is the delineation between the three? Is there one? Well, yeah. I Other mean, than the obvious that they're three different families. Yeah, well, they aren't necessarily three different families. That's the funny part. Um, when you, you know, just like in any, I'm a genealogist too. I do too many things. Is that right? I'm also the PA announcer for the Mets. We all have side hustles. Yeah. Well, we know about you. You're famous. I'm hardly famous. You keep talking. I was a pro wrestler. What? <laughs> I love it. This is this is actually for you guys. We're we're going to learn about you guys now. It's a true story. So, uh, yeah, no, the <laughs> the whole thing is when you go back, you realize that there was, you know, a certain amount of people that came over and a lot of these guys were families and taught each other. So Frank Pepe was Salvatore or Sally Consiglio's uncle. And Sally yes. originally worked at Pepe's when he was a kid. Yeah. There is like all this, you know, intermingling. Well, especially when you talk about the pizza makers yeah. who go from one pizza place to the next. I mean, I know that one of the, the second owner of Modern worked at Pepe's before he went to Modern and was taught by the guy who ran Modern in 1942 or so. So do you have four different owners that own Modern Abits? And different families, all different families, not related. That's an important feature. But the family today has kept one thing there, and that that lineage was actually the the yeast, the kind of sourdough starter. And people who had modern in the 30s told me that it tastes the same. How about that? And you can ask so many different people the same question. They will tell you, oh, it's the same. No, it's not the same. You could say, like, why is New Haven pizza so good? Is it the water? Yes, it is. No, it's not. You can get the same answer from totally different people and, and vice versa. It's very confusing, <laughs> very fun. <laughs> so pizza makers have gone from one pizza establishment to the you other. got that right. And live to tell the day. Oh, the pizza places all it's get along, like, generally speaking. Okay. I mean, any, any pizza place of clout has no problem with another pizza place. They, they are not in competition. They are all there helping each other. They borrow things from each other. They see how they're doing. They're literally building a, a, a New Haven sort of business tradition. They're building a legacy. And that is, it's not just one place. If it was one place, we would have nothing to talk about. So it's all these places. They're also the very definition of what other parts of the country know as New Haven style pizza, right? So this little section of Connecticut has created a language for the rest of the country, right? Because in Chicago, they've got deep dish pizza and we have New Haven style pizza. So that is quite a legacy. It's a huge legacy. It's one of the things I actually wanted to bring up because I think it's important to talk about because we get so used to our pizza here in Connecticut and having New Haven style pizza. And then we see New York style pizza. Every place in the country has their own style pizza. Detroit has a style of pizza. Like, like Midas all said, Chicago does. There's a California style pizza. I mean, how many different types can there possibly be, Colin? <laughs> I mean, I, we're figuring that out now because the question is, is if you really break it down, it's kind of like the animal kingdom. It's like you have different phylum and orders and all these different things that go down. So there's thick and there's thin. That's really two ways of describing pizza in my book. And you've got a bunch of pizzas that are thick and you've got a bunch of pizzas that are thin. Where does New Haven fall? It's in the thin. Right. And, and then you could go down from there and break down each city. You know, a place like New York City, there's five different kinds of pizzas they make. So when someone says, I grew up on New York pizza, I'm always like thick or thin. Yeah, which one, right, yeah. And it's all these traditions. And it's like what you grew up with is what you call pizza. 
in my, you know, in a lot of cases. So I, I don't tell anybody that their taste buds are wrong. I just say I feel sorry for them if they <laughs> grow up in New Haven. <laughs> hey, I'm going to take a stand right here, right now, and Colin, hopefully, will back me up on this. And to all my friends in Detroit, that is not pizza. That is a casserole. You can yell at me. Oh, dag. Thank you. I can hear him now. <laughs> there you go. Motor hey, City's coming after you. Yeah, they are. Colin, uh, we all know about, obviously, the big three, but talk about some other great local recommendations, some great spots that people haven't heard of and they should go check out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a as a pizza historian and a purist, I stick with what I know best, and that's going with the old school ones that do that do things the way that that we grew up with. And so the next one I'd go to would be, say, uh, Ernie's. Ernie's goes back to 1971. They've been making pizza uh, the same way ever since Pat, uh, Ernie's son Pat runs it for the last 30 years. One guy makes the pizza. When he goes on vacation, the place is closed. It's like that. It's so simple. They've they've definitely you know they have a following. They're just a little literally a, a mom and pop type place. Uh, it's in Westville section of New Haven. Another one is Zupardi's Abits. Old school, you know, as old as modern. Uh, and and Sally's goes back to the 30s. Came the guy Domenico Zupardi came from the same town as Pepe did, and they you know he they make an amazing pizza. That the family is it's now third fourth generation run. They wow. have the hops company where they make pizza. They have a pizza truck. They sell their frozen pizza around the country. They they actually have their pizza in supermarkets around the country. So which one is this? This is Zupardi's Abits in West Haven. Amazing family, amazing business, and an amazing pizza. Uh, another one is is uh, Mike's Abits in West Haven, sort of a a little known cousin of Ernie's that goes back to the 1940s in Savin Rock in West Haven, and they make a really good pizza in like a a, a little dive bar setting, very cute. Another one is uh, Roseland, Roseland Abits in Derby, wonderful Italian restaurant run by the same family you know, third generation run since the thirties and they're making an amazing, amazing pizza. They, they have a seafood special. I always stick with, you know, the plane. That's what I like. Another really good spot. So generally speaking, in a 10 mile radius around New Haven, there are some really good pizzerias that are doing what I would call top notch abits. For sure. There's great pizzas all over, but New Haven is definitely the king. Manisla, I think we should go on a pizza tour. I would love it. I would do it in a hot second. We do that. We've got two pizza tours in New Haven that we run all the time. Uh, pizza Lovers and a Little Italy tour, four pizzerias and anywhere from five to six hours. You're going to eat 15 slices, drink four beers, and walk four miles. Oh, I need to walk more than four miles after all that. This is my new best friend, Colin. This is my best friend. <laughs> Bring your lunchbox. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Colin, this is so much fun. I, I could talk to you all day long about pizza. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was really fun. That was Colin Kaplan. He's the author of the book Pizza in New Haven and a culinary tour guide for Taste of New Haven. He also co-owns Elm City Party Bike. I am happy to report, since our original conversation with Colin in 2020, I have, in fact, had pizza from Sally's and Modern. And please note that after every live show we have the last Thursday of every month, I go out of my way to order a few pies for my family from Modern. Please and thank you. The documentary Pizza, A Love Story is airing on CPTV starting March 3rd through the 11th. Check cptv.org slash schedule for airtimes. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Coming up after the break, 
Colin mentioned a few of his favorite pizza spots outside of New Haven. We share some of your recommendations from Instagram and highlight pizza makers from Cheshire, Bridgeport, and Sandy Hook. You know, you just build that bond with the community. You build the bond with customers. It makes for good pizza. This is Seasoned on Connecticut Public Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. It's time to shine a light on a few shops and hardworking pizza makers outside of New Haven. And we'll share some of your recommendations from Instagram, too. We'll start in Cheshire with the quintessential neighborhood pizza joint and maker. Yeah, my name's uh, Peter Bishop. I am the owner. I'm the head chef. I'm the head dishwasher. I'm pretty much everything at Pop's Pizza in Cheshire. I've been doing it now going on our 35th year, and uh, it's been fantastic. Back in 1986, I had just finished uh, my basketball career. I'd come to an end. Um, I was kind of not really sure what I wanted to do next. And the, the building that I'm in now, my grandfather actually owned. And uh, I was actually in the car getting ready to go to California, uh, moved to California. And he says to me, he goes, hey, Pete, you know, come on, stay around. We don't want you to leave. We like having you around. He goes, let's open a pizza place. His name was Pop. I said, uh, Pop, you know, only thing I know how to do is eat pizza. I have no idea how to make a pizza. And he said, ah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. First year was pretty shaky. You know, we, uh, we didn't quite know what we were doing, but I think that goes back about the community at the time. Just came back from playing professional basketball. I was well known, you know, the whole town kind of embraced me playing basketball. So we kind of took the same, the same feelings and turned it into my pizza place. And, you know, luckily, like in anything, if you kind of learn from your mistakes, you can do people right. And I think people gave me a second chance after not really knowing what I was doing. And from there, it just it went on from there. Pete said about 12 years in, he hit his stride by focusing on kids in the community and serving up simple quality pie at an affordable price. Get the kids in early. So they become Pops fans when they're five. So when their parents say, hey, you know, where do you want to go for pizza? They'll say, hey, I want to go to Pops. And so that's what we really tried to base our beginning off was being with the kids, throwing birthday parties, sponsoring teams. And, you know, our, our basic concept was always pretty simple. It's just be affordable to the family. Just try to make it simple for families so dinner isn't a big ordeal. And it worked. After 35 years flipping pizzas, it's the fun, special requests and everyday moments with customers that Pete really appreciates. Like a lot of times during the prom season, the kids will call up and say, hey, can you write, you know, will you go to prom with me with pepperoni? A couple got married and their big thing was they wanted these certain grinders that we made. It was really sweet and it was really kind of fun. And, you know, so many great people that have passed through as employees, so many great customers. Um, this one guy who comes in, this guy, Scott, and he was, I remember when he was a little, little guy and he always got the old fashioned pizza. And still now, all these years later, he's got to be, you know, in his 40s and he still comes in like, you know, every now and then he goes, you know what I want? Two slices of old fashioned on a plate. <laughs> so those kind of things are just everyday things that happen that are, you know, that are special. You know, you just build that bond with the community. You build the bond with customers. It makes for, it makes for good pizza. Everybody has a favorite neighborhood pizza joint. And you shared your favorites with us on our Instagram page. 
Hoosier on the Move recommends the breakfast pizza at Illicit Brewing in Manchester. I agree. That's a great spot. And Mel underscore Eve says Brick Oven on Main, acronym BOOM, B-O-O-M, in Bridgeport has the best pie in the city. Now, Jeff Browning may have something to say about that. He's a partner at Brewport Brewing Company in Bridgeport, where Connecticut beers are on tap and the pizza and salads are top notch. I am uh, what I'd like to believe is somewhat of a pizza connoisseur. And, uh, you know, pizza and beer, that's the common man's food, right? You guys are a brewery as well as an awesome pizza place. Yeah, I mean, my background is as a commercial brewer. As I just mentioned, I love pizza. So what we decided to do is very simply open a pizza restaurant that focused on pizza, salad, and beer. And we're New Haven style pizza, which is thin crust pizza. All of our ingredients are locally sourced. They come to us every other day. Pepperoni that comes straight from Italy that we hand cut ourselves. And that's the attention to detail that separates us from other pizza places. We blend our own cheese. The fact that we make our own sauce, handpick everything. Even our clams are fresh every other day. These are all the things that make great pizza. I've always thought, keep it simple. You don't have to overthink it. Just use great ingredients and make great food. Well, pizza is a simple food, but that doesn't mean that you don't take the time to literally pay attention to every detail. We raise our dough and that every dough is made two or three days in advance and you get that extra rise. That gives us the ability to have the elasticity in the dough to roll it out thin and not make it a cracker. Cooking in an oven that's 650 degrees, you better know what you're doing with your dough. So, Jeff, talk about one or two simple beer pairings for someone who's having pizza. You know, uh, very good question. I always get asked, what's my favorite beer? And my response is always the beer in front of me. And then people go, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what's your second favorite beer? And I said, the next beer that's going to be in front of me. <laughs> you know, the great thing about beer is that it actually pairs much better with certain foods than wine does. And there is a much broader variety of those beers. We currently have a beer on tap called They Call Me Coach, which is a kettle sour. We call it a Greek sour because we use honey, malt, and lemon. Now imagine that light, subtle citrus flavor going with, say, our arugula and chicken cutlet pizza that we do from time to time. Again, we mentioned the clam pie. You wouldn't know New Haven pizza if you didn't understand fresh clam pie. And a fresh clam pie, you want to go like a subtle pale ale. Something that's got just enough hot bitterness that it's going to cleanse your palate and allow you to eat each individual slice as if it's the first time you're putting it in your mouth. Jeff, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to you coming down and making some pies with us soon. You know, I hit up CT Public's Instagram with a shout out to Fortina Pizza in Stamford. Talk about gorgeous pizza. And on my Instagram, I saw recommendations for Casanova in Shelton. Daniel Joseph calls the buffalo chicken pizza from Luna bangin'. And there was a shout out for Naughty Dolphin Pizza, which is actually inside the Fairfield train station. Give it up for train station pizza. Now, let's hear from the women who run a tiny Italian restaurant that's a big favorite of mine. Lorenzo's Restaurant in Sandy Hook is about to mark their 95th year serving what I consider to be one of the best pizzas in town. Owner Lori McCollum and her daughter Mariah Tanny run this tiny little spot. It originally started as a snack hut by Lori's grandfather in 1926. You know, when restaurants have been around for this long, I'm always curious about what's changed and what stays the same over time. Has any of the recipes for the dough and the sausage, has that stuff changed over the years? No, not at all. The exact same? Mm -hmm. Do you guys actually have a recipe book written for it or no? We have like an old typewriter. It looks like it's on like coffee colored paper, <laughs> like taped together. <laughs> 
but it says like a pinch of this, an eyeball of this, yeah. a finger length of this. So <laughs> we don't really know who's. Sounds like you got a recipe for me because that's exactly what I would say. I don't know. Put this yeah. in there. You so we, I don't want to say eyeball it, but a lot of things we go off of what we think, you know, based on history. But you're a staple. Everyone knows Lorenzo's Pizza. That's that's where to go. But to last 95 years, you know, with no major commercial push or anything like that. Is it just the local sustaining the restaurant or what's it, how's it been? I think especially over the past two years, it's kind of been a split between completely new people that have the same story. I've lived here my whole life. I never heard of it. Right. Someone told me in the grocery store or someone told me wherever or people that have been coming here generation after generation after generation. Most of it's just been word of mouth. Right. I think we kind of liked the whole staying off of the media and just kind of doing it by ourselves and letting people come down and really get the experience for themselves. Owner Lori has been making the pizzas for more than 50 years. Mariah could have any number of specialty pizzas on the menu, but her favorite? I'm just cheese. I do cheese. cheese all the way. Although I just started recently doing a white crust with just mozzarella, a little bit of garlic, and then throwing a Caesar salad on top of that. Okay. Because the crust kind of acts as like a crouton. Uh-huh. And Lori, I got to ask, pizza for you, what is, what's the most important part about the pizza for you as the someone dough. who's making pizza? The dough. The dough. is. I've been making it most of my whole life, and it is the by far the hardest thing to do. If it's humid out, it's you know going to come out weird. If it's cold out, it's going to come out weird. That's the hardest thing. Pizza dough is very picky. Yeah. Now, do you keep it simple? Just water, flour, yeast, salt? You really, you really think I'm going to say that? Wow, there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going there. I love how Lori wouldn't give away any of the family recipes. That was mother-daughter team behind Lorenzo's Pizza in Sandy Hook, Lori McCollum and Mariah Tanney. You also heard from Pete DeBishop, owner of Pop's Pizza in Cheshire, and Jeff Browning, partner and brewmaster at Brewport in Bridgeport. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, tips for making pizza at home and our conversation with Louise Joseph of Dough Girls Pizza Truck. Louise shares her favorite pizza shop with us, too. It's the pizza mecca of the world. People may yell at me, but like, Italy, Italy, Italy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Haven. You're listening to Seasoned on Connecticut Public Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. If all this talk about pizza has put you in the mood to make your own at home, Louise Joseph of Dough Girls Pizza Truck has some tips. We spoke with her in 2020. Before we get to Louise, Plum shares his simplest pizza dough recipe. Five simple ingredients is all you need to make great pizza dough. Flour, water, yeast, salt, and a pinch of sugar, or honey, whichever one you prefer. The honey or the sugar is going to be used to wake that yeast up or to bloom the yeast, as we call it. Take some warm water in a bowl, add a pinch of sugar, a little bit of honey. Now, some people don't do this, but this is how I do it. And then add your yeast to it. That yeast essentially has been asleep when you buy those little dry packets of yeast. You got to wake it up. And the best way to wake it up is with food. I want to bloom it in that bowl of water. So add the yeast to the sugary water solution and watch as about 15 minutes go by, it'll start to foam up. That means the yeast is waking up and creating carbon dioxide, which is exactly what you want. Add your flour to it, a pinch of salt, mix it all up nicely, and then put a warm towel over it and stick it someplace to let it rest. You want it to double in size. Once it doubles in size, you can then take it back, cut it up into smaller portions, whatever you want. But what I like to do is after I the first proofing, 
I want to do a second proofing. So I actually will cut it up into the portions I want and then put it back aside for another 45 minutes or so. <laughs> I had an old adage that a chef told me a long time ago. He said, keep it simple, stupid. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, so let's say we did buy dough at the market. Do we do anything differently? Yeah, and getting pizza dough from your local market is a great idea, but even better is to grab it from your local pizza shop. But the key thing is when you get that dough, make sure when you're rolling it out, you do it at room temperature. Don't let it be cold. Pull it out of the refrigerator. Let it warm up a little bit before you roll it. Pizza dough and cold aren't friends. Might be good to call in a pizza professional here. Back in August, we introduced you to Louise Joseph, owner of Dough Girls Pizza Truck based in Greenwich, where Louise's specialty is scratch-made, wood-fired, personal pizzas. We thought it would be fun to catch back up with Louise to get some tips for making pizzas at home since her pizza kits have been such a big hit with customers. We asked Louise about her pizza roots and how she came up with Dough Girls. The name just kind of came to me. Um, I grew up in the West Haven, New Haven area. So clearly grew up on some great New Haven pizza, Sally's, Pepe's, Modern Bar, all the good stuff. I've always loved pizza, always cooking. Well, growing up where you grew up, in my brain, it's like iconic pizza world right there. I mean, it's the pizza mecca of the world. People may yell at me, be like, Italy, Italy, Italy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Haven. Your style of pizza that you make, is it more New Haven based, that thin crust, super hot oven, or did you put your own spin on it? I did sort of put my own spin on it. I didn't want to do what New Haven was doing. I wasn't trying to mimic them. Uh, I was just trying to do my own thing. Typical New Haven style pizza is generally coal-fired, but you use a wood-fired oven, right? Yeah, wood-fired oven. I don't use Italian flour. Like, I don't use double zero flour. I get that a lot. People are like, oh, this is double zero, right? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just isn't. I, I just worked on a dough recipe for like three years. Not every day, but you know. I was going to say, my eyes recipe. just got the size of flying saucers. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> three years just on dough. Just on dough. Yeah, there's no sugar, there's no eggs, there's no oil in my dough. The ingredients are very basic. Try and keep it very, very simple, very pure. I think it's interesting how people, if you don't make pizza dough on a regular basis, mm -hmm. realize how delicate and volatile it can be. If it's humid outside, your dough is going to be one way. If it's dry outside, it's going to be another oh, yeah. way. How the weather really does really affect your dough. It's, it's so hard, especially because I have a pizza truck, like constantly watching it like a baby sleeping. You just got to just <laughs> constantly watch it because you turn your head for one second and it's, oh, it's overproofed or, you know, just proof too much. And yeah, it gets, um, it gets interesting. It's alive. It's alive. Yes. Yes, of course. Which begs the question, for something that needs so much coddling and attention, like a baby, right? It's, it's an mm -hmm. alive thing. Yes. So if you're sweating and you're the expert <laughs> over your pizza, how am I not going to lose my mind making a pizza at home? <laughs> You can absolutely make pizza at home. Louise and I talked about some equipment that might make it easier, like cookie sheets, which you already have, pizza stones, which you actually don't need. And she introduced me to the baking steel for diehard pizza makers and bakers. This sounds pretty intriguing. You know, I think one of the tricks I tell people, if they don't have a pizza stone, you can actually take a couple of cookie sheets or sheet pans and put them in the oven just to keep that flat space there yeah. to put that on and let those pans heat up in the oven first so it's a hot surface the dough goes on top of. Right. That's what I say. I say just get a, a cookie sheet or a um, sheet pan and invert it because that way you don't have that lip to like try and get your pizza right. off of it. I was introduced to a life-changing piece of equipment, which is a baking steel. My friend Andrus has... Um, invented and developed that. Go follow him on Instagram, Baking Steel, 72-hour dough. Okay, wait, wait. 
Oh my god. You gotta tell me the baking steel. Oh no, no, no. Look it up right now. What is this? All right, don't look it up now because you'll leave this interview and go get one. Stay here. It's (laughs) amazing. So it's basically this very heavy piece of steel, I guess. And you put it in the oven. It's ideal if you do two because the radiant heat, you cook on one and have one. So the radiant heat from the top cooks the top of the pizza and the bottom. And it comes out just like a wood fired oven. Really? Yes. Mind blown. Amazing. So that's what I was playing with while I was developing the dough because I didn't want to, I had the truck already outfitted. I didn't want to spark up the oven every single time I wanted to test a little dough. And and I had a a pizza stone that's holding my potted plants right now. Like I don't even use that. (laughs) Like what is this thing? So, and I just leave the steel in my oven at all times. Just, it's always hot. You know, you crank your oven up to 500 degrees and make your pizza. I just want to kind of stick with the whole making pizzas at home still, because I think it's such an easy thing that you can have a lot of fun with, mm-hmm. with, you know, your kids or with, you yeah. know, family coming over. I mean, even if you don't want to use your oven, you can actually cook your pizza on the grill. Make sure yes. that grill's nice and hot and put it on there. I actually take one side of the grill and get it smoking hot and leave the other side, because we have two burners, and leave it off. Right. Yeah, so you have a little room yeah. to move it around. So grilling pizza is, is a great way to do it. I mean, do you do that ever at the house? Yeah, I do that quite often, yeah. I do too. I use oil instead of flour to stretch the dough. Not a lot, because then you get, you know, spark up some flames there. But yeah. Um, yeah, pizza at home, I think it's pretty easy. You know, you don't need tricks. You don't need to toss it in the air. There's nothing that's um, so incredibly involved or difficult about it. I think the most is people are afraid to make the dough. And even that simple, you, you can make pizza dough in a Cuisinart. You don't have to have a KitchenAid stand mixer. You don't have to knead it by hand for hours because you don't have any machinery to to make it, you know, kind of thing. So I do not make my own pizza dough. I cheat. I make my own sauce, but I will buy pizza dough from the grocery store. <laughs> And Plum has told me you can ask nicely at the pizzeria and they'll mm-hmm. give you pizza dough if you're nice. For sure. But uh, it never comes out like the way you make it, like with those big yummy bubbles and the... I think my dough came out looking like a pro, like with that yummy bubble and the char in just the right place, but it was by mistake. <laughs> How, do... <laughs> How do you do yours deliberately? Come on. <laughs> I'm serious. How do you, how do you, am I stretching it out too much? Am I not stretching it out enough? Well, when you got the lovely char bubbles, I'm sure you did two things. I'm sure you brought it up to room temperature and waited before you stretched it. One, your oven was at the right temperature. All of those things. I'm, I'm shaking my head, even though I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. She's saying no. (laughs) I think you did. You just don't remember. Oh, that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm sure those are things like I'm sure. Sure, maybe you took it out to let it get to room temperatures. What you need to do, because if you don't, it'll be like stretching a piece of paper. Right. Just can't do it. It's not going to happen. And then if you don't leave it long enough, you stretch it, it'll contract. You stretch it, it'll contract. You know, so you stretch it out to 10 inches, you turn your head, you come back around, it's at five inches. So that's one thing is you need to let the dough come to room temperature before you stretch it. Now, how you stretch it, you can stretch it by hand. You can use a rolling pin. If you stretch it by hand, you get more bubbles. Oh. The rolling pin takes out the bubbles. It's smushing but them I tell out. people it, to use a rolling pin because it's a little bit more difficult to use by hand. Well, the rolling pin also too. You're going to be very. You're going to be way more um, uniform in your stretching of it using the rolling pin. Yeah. Plus, uh, think about it. It's like a it, those big trucks that they use on the roads and they pave roads that have the big spinning wheel on it. It makes everything flat. 
same thing happens to your dough. It pushes out all the air bubbles there. Try to do right. it by hand. It's listen. It's pizza. It's fun. It doesn't have to be perfectly round. You know, no, you can make different shapes out of it. I mean, oh yeah, no, I don't try to make it round or square. Yeah. It's always an amoeba. What temperature <laughs> should the oven be though? Five hundred. I'd agree with that. Five hundred, not four seventy-five, huh? A lot of people are afraid to put their ovens at 500. I was too, you know, when I started experimenting. I'm like, well, they they make this oven so it can go to five. They wouldn't put it at 500 if it wasn't supposed to go to 500. <laughs> it's not going to hurt it. Yes. Before we go, which is your favorite pizza spot in New Haven? Sally's. Sally's. Sally's it is. Sally's it is. <laughs> Hands down. That was one of our favorite pizza makers in the state, Louise Joseph of Dough Girls. Find out where her truck will be next at Dough Girls Pizza on Instagram. As you heard, Louise is Team Sally's all the way. Learn more about the pride of New Haven, Sally's Peppies and Modern by watching the documentary Pizza, A Love Story. It's airing on CPTV this week. Check cptv.org schedule for airtimes. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Seasoned is produced by Robin Doyan Aiken and Katie Talarski. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can catch past episodes of Seasoned on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and never miss our conversations with people making great food and drink in our state. See you next week.